0: you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back.
1: Let's talk sports.
2: Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabine. Joining me as usual this morning, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? Good. Uh, we've got some special guests this morning uh, before we get to... Uh, our first guest, uh, which uh, certainly uh, we're looking forward to uh, that introduction. I just want to let everybody know that it's Masters Sunday. It's usually the first day of spring, but I guess this year it's maybe the last day of autumn. Uh, the The world has turned upside down this year, but there's one tradition that continues on the Nazo Sports Hour. We always have John Steinbreder. Uh, acclaimed golf writer he's uh writes for masters.com he's been writing up a storm on the masters.com website he's actually at augusta this morning he always joins us on a major championship sunday uh, the tradition continues on the Naz and wally sports hour uh also pleased to welcome to the Naz and wally sports hour a special young man uh producer of hockey central also, producer of this on 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 the on the Fan Five Hundred and Ninety, producer of the Smith and Jones Show, uh, also on the Fan Five Hundred and Ninety, host of Sportsnet tonight, uh, writes a weekly article on fantasy football for Sportsnet. Of course, I'm talking about Matt Marchese.
3: Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm good. You guys, uh, you guys must be really scraping the bottom of the barrel. If you had to call me this morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had to. Uh, Just so we
2: might as well be transparent here and and put it out there. Nothing to hide here. We're so proud of you, Matt. And I know uh, we would like to uh, tell our listeners uh, you have a a strong tie to my co-host, Naz Marchese. You, of course, are his uh, pride and joy together with your brother and the rest of his family, of course. But uh, you are uh, Naz's son. And uh, in many ways, you're fulfilling. Uh, Naz and I have known each other since the since we were kids in high school uh he, he had a passion for sports and you're following his passion so I wanted to let our listeners know that and uh the real reason we have you on Nat, uh matt uh you uh you reduce our average age of of uh of the of our guests today so when we put you in with nas and myself we're reducing our average well welcome to uh welcome to zoomer radio uh, it's nice to get some young uh some young guests on the show with with passion for sports, and we're thrilled to have you.
3: Thanks for joining us. No, no problem, guys. Uh, happy, happy to be happy to be along for the ride. Uh, and not only
2: are you an, uh, a, a passionate sports fan, you're also an accomplished. Uh, uh, you're also accomplishing and marking your way in the sports world in a professional capacity, and. Uh, uh we're thrilled to have you on in that capacity this morning because your uh your opinions and your passions are important. You express them in your career and uh we certainly want to take advantage of that this morning. And uh also the other big reason I want to have you on is I understand you're a fighting Irish fan. Uh yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> well uh Irish are Irish are looking good this year, Matt. So uh uh, they looked good against Clemson the week before they looked good against Boston College last night i'm sure you get tired of the alabama conversation uh, uh <laughs> with with your dad uh things haven't gone your way lately in in that conversation but uh the uh the fighting irish look
3: like they uh, they look like they got a good uh, good little team this year matt your impressions yeah i'm i'm actually really impressed with uh, their defense early on was was really good you could take away the last Two games. They come off the the high against Clemson, where they give up a bunch of points, but they do get a win. And then last night, much of the same. A couple turnovers cost them. But Ian Books really impressed me. I I never really was all that impressed with him early on in his Irish career, but he's he's done a really good job in moving that offense. He's really mobile out of the as a quarterback, which you know it, it always is good because. Listen, when they get themselves into trouble, Ian Book somehow finds them ways to get out of trouble. And Brian Kelly, I think, deserves a lot of credit for what the Irish have done. He's he's never really regarded, for whatever reason, as one of the best college coaches. Like, Dabo Sweeney's already, was is always there, and uh, Nick Saban's always there, and for some reason, uh, Jim Harbaugh is always in the conversation, even though he shouldn't be. But I think Brian Kelly finally after, let's call it a little bit of a hiatus, ever since that national championship game against Alabama where they got absolutely toasted, has really turned the program around again. And and they're competitive once again. And Brian Kelly should be up for NFL jobs with the job that he's done, especially this season.
2: Yeah, so I'll turn it
3: over to you. First question for the other Mr. Marquez. Good morning. Uh, good, good morning, morning father. Good morning, How are How are you? <laughs> what was it like producing for Bob McCowan, Matt? It was interesting every single day. Um, it, the one thing, the one thing that I can say is, as someone who's now doing on-air work himself, the amount that I learned and didn't realize I had that I had had actually learned was was incredible. All of the the stuff that that Bob did on the air and the it was basically schooling every day for me for what was a seven year period, almost eight year period. And the lessons that I learned about this business working for him were absolutely invaluable. It's stuff that I do today. Um, he, he did things a certain way that nobody else will do. And not that, not that I'll ever be able to recreate what he did as a broadcaster, but, the things that you learn, the the little things that you learn about um, when you're asking a your guest a question and picking up on little things that the guest would say in their answer and using that to formulate your next question and making the making the interview conversational as opposed to question and answer, which is so important in this business. So uh, I I'll be forever grateful to Bob. I still talk with him uh, every month or so just to kind of see how things are going, but. Yeah i i had the i had the best internship of seven years working under you know arguably the greatest sports broadcaster that we've ever seen so uh, there no complaints from me that's for sure
2: yeah well, of course we're talking to uh, we're talking to Matt Marquise. we were just talking about his time uh, as the producer of uh, Bob McCown Show Primetime Sports yeah we all we all miss Bob in our own way especially us Zoomers uh, used to listen to him. Uh, Quite often, it was part of my regular routine, uh, driving home from work, and uh, and I wanted to get into that a little bit more. I, was, I always wondered about the challenges of being a producer of a live sports talk radio show, because I'm sure you plan the show out ahead of time. You line up the guests, you've got an idea where it's going, and then... The sports worlds like every other sport every other part of our world uh matt things can change at the last minute uh yeah. tell me tell me how how you deal how you deal de- deal with those challenges uh i'm sure there's times during the show you got to scramble to get somebody on the air or look up a fact uh find an answer to something that the guests have brought up uh tell us about what it's actually like uh that time period four to seven o'clock uh, I'm sure you got the adrenaline going like
3: crazy. Now, a well, beat's working for a living. Um, <laughs> so, that's a good way of putting it. Hey, it. it's a really it's a really interesting dynamic because, like you said, every, it's the world that we live in. Things change, and in the sporting world, things change very frequently. And a lot of the time it was you kind of have the structure of the show laid out, and you've got kind of the bones of it, and then and then you start to fill it in. When news happens, it was always especially working on that show, you had to get the newsmakers on. It wasn't good enough to get the person that wrote the article. It was the preferred destination was to get the person on that was the subject of the article. And a lot of times people would come on to the show just because they knew how big it was. And and that to to speak to how important that show was to the landscape of not only just sports but sports media was pretty incredible because Bob was was one of a kind and and people even in the United States knew who Bob was there were we had listeners and viewers in the US and it was it was really a treat because trying to get people on was actually a lot easier than in a lot of cases you know we the biggest thing that we had going for us is Get, making an impression on people and knowing that it was a good show and you're, you were you were going to be asked intelligent questions made it a lot easier. When in a pinch, those big names would come on because they knew who Bob was and they knew that he was going to be fair to them all while asking tough questions. So, you know, when it came to hockey guests and stuff like that, that was always easy. But the the scope of the show was. A lot of the time focused on, as Bob would put it, the small little article that you would find in the bottom of a newspaper in the sports section that we could turn into something bigger. And that was always the, that was always the, the thing. So, planning out a show, you could find those little stories, you know, slot in those guests, and when the big stuff happened, you just reacted to it. So, there, there were a lot of interchangeable parts when it came to the show. And there were some days that I was pulling out my hair and a lot of days where I stressed about it, as you could probably tell when you see me about the color of some of my hair. <laughs> and, and it, but it, it did kind of train you because there's not really a, another job like it. Like you could produce television and a lot of the stuff is already in place. You could be doing a radio show and because of the, the, the size of a store, you could be blowing up a whole show. And having to to regroup and book three or four different guests because of something that happened like if the Leafs made a big trade well guess what that's the focus of the day so you kind of go into every show having a focus like okay this is what we're gonna kind of kind of key in on for this episode and and then we kind of move on from there and then you kind of work around it the best part about the show was and Bob always put it to me this way. As you can tell I'm referencing Bob a lot because like I said he taught me a lot. Yeah. But it was every show is like you can kind of look at it like a sitcom. Everybody has a role. So the host has a role and he's the he's the the funny guy or whatever and then the co-host may be the straight guy and then you have and then you have your guests that kind of fill in and your regular guests if you have weekly guests all have a re- a recurring uh, spot on this sitcom or whatever you want to do. If you weren't entertaining, you weren't doing doing your job. And I think that was the thing that I learned the most because we are in the entertainment business, whichever way you want to look at it. So if you're not if you're not giving out good information, if you're not being funny, if you're not making the listener or viewer think, then you're probably not doing your job. So that was. That's a, that's a long-winded way to say that the job is really cool but can be very stressful
2: at times. Uh, Naz, before, I, I just want to do a quick follow-up with uh, with Matt on that one, then I'll, I'll turn it back to you. Um, uh, producer, Hockey Central, producer, Smith & Jones, but you also have developed an on-air personality as well. Uh, we've just talked about the challenges of being a producer, I'd like it from your perspective, uh, what are the challenges to being that host or that co-host, uh, the live on air personality? Uh, what are the challenges there for you, Matt?
3: the uh, biggest challenge for me is not swearing on the air, Wally. That's, that's <laughs> as as my father knows. I have a little bit of a potty mouth, so being able to being able to hold back from swearing is really important for our job. Uh, but the, the the key the key really is to just know your stuff, because or at least have information that's factual. Because in the in the day and age that we live in, everybody has access to the internet and Twitter and every sort of a piece of information that you could figure out and they'll call you on it if you're not right about it. So yes, you can make mistakes, but it's just coming with relevant information that, that, that makes it interesting for the listener. And my, and my thing is, is I like to be the funny guy. So personally, if I think that I'm not being funny, then I don't think that I'm doing my job. And again, that's to entertain. But I I still think that the biggest thing is having correct information because people have, especially on Twitter, because Twitter is like the bowels of society and it's a bad place sometimes. And if you give out misinformation or false information, people call you out on it. Whether you were trying to do it or not is, is kind of irrelevant. Even when you think you're doing a good job, people are all over you, hounding you because you said this or you said that. Like I could pull out, you know take that I had from months ago and somebody will find that take on Twitter and bring it back up to me. Well, sometimes things change, but that's the type of society that we live in. And you have to be prepared to take the criticism. And the one thing that I've learned, especially now that I'm writing don't read the comment section. Never read <laughs> the comment section.
2: <laughs> uh, on that note, Naz, I want you to hold your thought. Uh, Matt, you're going to stay with us to, up until uh, the next break, so we're going to go to break right now, and then we're going to we're going to come back. Matt, you're going to still be with us, and uh, Naz, uh, let you have a go at your son. Uh, we'll be right back.
1: It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised we all have things we should cut back on. For me, half brother Rayul, that's ordering inflatable toys. For others, it's carbs. So Pizzaville made the extra thin crust pizza. You get the same authentic Italian taste as our regular pizza, but with two-thirds less carbs. Because the last thing Raul wants is an inflatable waste.
0: Pizzaville, stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian, authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby or rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at
4: mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigobon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigobon Carly, the intelligent choice.
2: Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice.
0: The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio.
2: Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live. Uh, just want to thank uh, Mintink as our new uh, our new advertiser this morning and uh, we had John Amadol on the show a few weeks back he's the impresario at Mintink if uh, if you got some old hockey cards baseball cards football cards been hanging around your basement for a while He's the guy, and they're worth money nowadays. There's been a boom in sports cards. We're pleased to welcome Mintink as a sponsor of our show, and we'll have Johnny on our sh- back on the show talking all things sports cards in the very near future. Talking about having on the show, we're pleased to have on with us this morning Sportsnet's Matt Marchese, and as I promised, his proud papa, Naz. Uh, go ahead. Question Matt, for what, your son. Matt, what was the toughest show you ever produced, and was Halliday
3: one of them when he died? Oh, um, that was definitely one of them because it's always it's never it's never easy to produce a show when someone passes away. But when someone's so young, it makes it even harder. Like I've had it where I've actually had to tell people over the phone that, you know, we'd like you to come on to talk about, you know, person X that passed away. And that person didn't even know. So that the holiday one was definitely tough. The, believe it or not, the Boston Marathon bombing was a tough one. We actually had people that were in Boston at the marathon, and it became the biggest story because sports kind of took a back seat. There were, the Jays, I believe, were in Boston that night, if I'm not mistaken. I believe the Jays were in Boston, so their game was canceled. Um, we had Bob Ryan on from the Boston Globe. We had uh, Brian Cooper, who is our, one of our sports business guys, who was actually at the marathon and that was that was a crazy a crazy day because i i I looked at my co-producer at the time and i said i think we have a situation and he said well what do you mean i said there's something going on in boston at the marathon and we might have to react to it and sure enough it ended up being that there was a, a a terrorist attack and and we did have to do our due diligence on it the maybe the most fun show that i've ever had to produce was and it was. It's very timely now because it was a. It was about four years ago. Just maybe you know, add a couple of days. It was after Donald Trump got elected as president. We decided that that was the biggest story, and we were going to do minimal sports and a lot of politics. And I guess it was fun because it, we were so out of our. Well, as producers, we were a little bit out of our element because we don't usually do that. It was right up Bob's alley because he loves politics and and being someone who you know lived in the u.s and and has ties there it was it was an important conversation to have so we had david Frum, who was the speech writer for george bush we had him on we had larry king on and we had a bunch of our american guests on that talked about it so that was uh, that was really cool but the holiday one was probably the most difficult because that one actually felt like it it hit home someone that i had watched growing up and and kind of idolized as, as a baseball player so yeah that one that one definitely was the the toughest show to produce
2: uh we're talking to matt marchese of sportsnet uh uh his dad Naz just asked him the toughest show he ever produced uh who are your favorite uh I, I know this might be a tough question you may not you know betray your uh your personal preferences uh but uh, your favorite uh, favorite interviews, uh, either you personally or uh, that you arranged uh, on any of the shows you've ever done. Who are the who are the people in sports sports you really enjoy dealing with?
3: And there's there's a ton of people that, that I really enjoy working with. If you, the the regular guests that we had on primetime sports were always awesome. Like you know, Bob Ryan, uh, John Morosi. Richard Deitz, before he became uh, a co-host on the station. Those were those were just a few. Elliot Friedman was, has always been very gracious with his time. For me, um, uh, the late Don Banks was always one of my favorite people to to talk with. As he was, we had we we talked a lot about football because we were both football guys. We talked about our dogs. We you know we had a, a really a really nice personal connection. Just a shame that I never actually got to meet him. And that's kind of the the worst part about the job, believe it or not, is you get to talk to these people, but in a lot of cases you never actually get to meet them because we live so far away. So th- those were definitely some of my favorite people to deal with. There's I've been doing this for so long that the list is is completely endless. And a lot of people have done me a lot of favors in 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 coming on the show because If you really think about the idea of going on a radio show, they, they really have no reason to go on except that they want to. In some cases, they do get paid. And yes, that's great. But that's what happens in a lot of cases. They're just, they're doing you a favor. And I'm forever grateful to those people. Yes.
5: Matt, championship night, game six, Raptors win the uh, trophy. You were on the show. You were on
3: your show that night. What did that feel like? Uh, I'll, I'll give the listeners a little bit of uh, background here. Um, I actually, when the Raptors had won, because I don't get to see championships as a fan of any of my sports teams. And uh, Dad, as you know, I called you and almost started crying because <laughs> we never get to see that stuff. And I remember you saying, uh, you better get yourself together because you got to go on the air. So... Um, that night was, was absolutely surreal. We were watching the game in one of our boardrooms. it was myself, um, the, the guy who I was co-hosting with Josh Goldberg, and then a few of the other workers that were in that night. And we were watching the game and we prepared notes and we had a whole rundown of things to talk about. And then the Raptors win and everything goes out the window. That was really cool because, when they when somebody says to you, "Where were you the night the Raptors won the championship?" I can say that I was on Sportsnet five ninety, the fan who was broadcasting the game that night. We were the pre and post game show, if I remember correctly, and we did uh, halftime as well. It was it was just absolutely insane that I, I can't even put into words what it means because there's only a select few in this market. I get to say that they were on the air for a championship. That's crazy. And I'm one of those people. What was even crazier was the drive home that night. I mean, I wasn't, I don't know if I was, I think I was expecting them to win, but I didn't expect to see what I saw driving home. The amount of traffic just trying to get from, you know, uh, Mount Pleasant and Jarvis to get to the Gardner to get home that night was crazy. And that wasn't even the heart of the city to say that I was on the air is something that that night is something that I'll always treasure and it's one of those things you'll never forget it and I'll never forget who I was working with that night and just just all surreal and I was even supposed to work if it went to a game 7 I was supposed to work game 7 which happened to be father's day so I oh, would win either way so it really worked out for me it was a lot of fun
2: we're talking to Sportsnet's uh, Matt Marchese. On that note, uh, uh, Matt, I'd, I'd say I I'd just hope that uh, God uh, gives Naz and I the, the the good health and the good grace, and uh, I hope this. I hope we see the day where you're able to watch your dad cry when the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup. So. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I
3: hope so, but I don't know if that's happening anytime soon, Wally. <laughs> <laughs> well, that,
2: that that's a different topic. But uh just wanted to follow up on on that, uh on, on the last discussion in a certain way in your role as an uh you you're you know, you're developing your on you are an on air personality for lack of a better term. Uh you're you, you do uh, live sports talk radio, you're on sports tonight, so you're on the air when uh, Raptors won, but uh uh, there's, there's a, a I, I guess a difference of opinion in this business. Uh, Na, you know, you're in the business. Naz and I are, we're, you know, we're just a bunch of old guys on the air. You, you, this, for you, it's a profession. For us, it's, it's, it's fun. I know you don't call it a job, but, uh, yeah, it puts food on your table. So in a lot of ways, it is a job. Um, do you, uh, Naz and I have never pretended that, uh, we're not anything but, these fans, Raptors fans, TFC fans, uh, Alabama fighting Irish fans. And we project that on the air. Uh, we have no issues with that. A lot of people, a lot of uh, broadcasters, of course, I guess there's probably a fine line for you guys in terms of how much of a homer you can be and how much of a homer you can't be. Um, when you bring, uh, when you bring your professionalism to your craft, um, How much of a homer are you or how much do you struggle to try and be as objective as possible?
3: It's tough, but I find that I've become, in my quote-unquote old age, um, I've become a little bit more of a realist as opposed to an optimist because if you can, as a broadcaster, if you can give a good opinion, even if it's your team – If you can give a solid opinion without sounding like a homer, it makes you, I think, a little bit more respected as a broadcaster. I can objectively say that the Buffalo Bills defense, for the better part of this season, has been trash. I can objectively say that the Toronto Maple Leafs have a real problem keeping the puck out of their net. And when you can do that and be honest about it i think that's really important because i don't hide my fandom i tell people i have the buffalo Bills zubas pass i have eight buffalo (laughs) bills jerseys and multiple leafs jerseys and multiple liverpool jerseys and and more more notre dame fighting irish sweaters and hoodies that i can count but if you can say that and then give an opinion that people will respect and say okay that guy is a fan of that team but he can give you an honest observation of what that team is what that team could be then that's fine i will say that i am actually the hardest on the leafs of any of my teams because i see what's there some people will say that i'm that i'm a Kyle Dubas apologist but at the end of the day there are things that he has done that have been really good there are a lot of contracts that he was, that he has signed that are really good that he will never get credit for because The cool thing to do is to is to crap on Kyle Douglas. And I don't I'll I'll do it when the time is necessary. But if you look at, you know, if you have an overview of what he has done and talk about the job that he has done, but be honest about it and and be realistic about it, then that's important. The biggest thing that you can get in this business is respect. And I don't think that you can do it without being honest. If you're not honest and give honest opinions, then I don't know how anybody can respect someone like that. If you're just going to, you know, like there's a lot of the Fox sports guys that are in the U S like your Skip Bayless is you're calling cowards, just kind of throw stuff. And I don't even know if, if they're truthful about it. I don't even know if they believe their own opinions, but they say them. And to me, that just, I, I just don't, I don't appreciate that kind of broadcast journalism, have an opinion, stand by it. But don't just throw something out there like LeBron James isn't is very good because he won a championship in a bubble. LeBron James is 34 or 35 years old, and he's still dominating. Why don't we be honest about that? So if you have an opinion, and it's a good opinion, and it's realistic, and you put it out there, people will respect that more than when you just constantly throw out hot takes and and just hope that something sticks. Uh, We've we've been talking to Matt Marchese.
2: Uh, I'm sure, Matt, you'll remember this phrase, from all your years on uh, on the Fan Five ninety, time is our enemy. Uh, we've got to we've got to go to break Naz, uh Another thirty seconds with uh, with your son Matt, and then uh, then we've got to take it to break.
5: Speaking of Homer, quick assessment of
3: today's game against the Cardinals versus uh, the
2: Bills.
3: Firstly, let's hope it happens because they had a couple of guys test uh, one guy test positive for COVID nineteen, and he had i think three players that were in close contact so waiting on the results but if you look at this game it, it screams to me a lot of the game last week against the seahawks in which the bills did a really good job of of disguising some defensive schemes and making russell wilson think he turned the ball over four times which almost never happened kyler murray is prone to the turnover but he's still a great quarterback so you kind of got a balance because his ability to run the ball is even better than Russell Wilson. He looks like a road runner when he has the ball. They're going to have to keep him in check, and they're going to—they're going to throw the ball a lot. Josh Allen has recovered from his non-throwing injury, a non-throwing shoulder injury that he had against uh, Vegas in Week Four, and things are looking up. I never—I didn't—I thought they were going to be six and three at the break uh, before the bye. At this point of the season, they're 7-2. and I had them as a loss against the Seahawks. So, listen, all things are pointing up for them. It is a road game, so the travel will make a little bit of a difference. I expect them to come out with the same game plan as they did against the Seahawks last week. They're going to come out and throw the ball. They're going to make Arizona stop them because the Bills don't run the ball very well. And they're going to have to do the same on defense. They're going to have to stop Kyler Murray. And that's a really tall task because... Nobody has been able to do that really this season. I expect the shootout, and I expect that the game is probably within a field goal. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's the Bills that come on top, even though that sounds a lot homerish, not even a little bit homerish. But uh, we'll be—I'll be watching the game with you today, so that'll be the <laughs> best part about Sunday. On that wonderful
2: note, uh, we've been talking to Matt Marchese, Matt. Uh, You know that Naz and I live vicariously through you. Naz and I had our own show in the mid-70s, and uh, fate brought us back together to do this show, but uh, I guess in many ways you're carrying out our dreams. Thanks so much for your passion. Thank you so much for your insights. I actually learned quite a bit about uh, uh, producing and uh, the challenges that you face and, and your perspective on things. This has been a total, total treat for me and for your dad, I'm sure thanks so much for joining us
3: no problem guys anytime
2: matt marchese uh after the break we've got john steinbreder from augusta we'll be right back
1: it was a rainy day when pizzaville announced the medium gourmet pizza special get a medium gourmet pizza for just 13.99 that's like flying first class when you only paid economy You're up front, sipping champagne and stretching out in your luxuriously wide berth. Instead of having somebody kick the back of your seat, then the guy in front of you decides to recline his seat. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. pizza.
0: Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian.
1: Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby or
0: Rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. Is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca.
4: There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigobon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigobon Carly, the intelligent choice. Are you
0: real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos, and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio.
2: Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new M740 in Toronto. FM 96.7 on the internet. Live streaming www.zoomerradio.ca. It's a tradition on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on a major championship Sunday. We always have acclaimed golf writer, John Steinbreder. John Steinbreder's been writing at masters.com all week long, some great articles and he's at Augusta this morning and it's going to be a fantastic day of golf. John, it's always a pleasure. It's always a, it's always a privilege to continue our tradition. Welcome. How are you this morning?
6: I'm great. And thank you for having me. And yeah, it is a great tradition and I'm one I'm glad we're, we're able to uphold this year. That I'm able to report to you from Augusta, and not from my uh, home back in Connecticut. It's amazing to be down here. It's very
2: different, but it is a Masters, and uh, it's uh, it, as exciting as always. Uh, John, the Masters for me has always been, uh, in, in in a figurative sense, the first day of spring. You have that nice little music that C- CBS plays all the time, and it's just it just it's a rhythm. Of, 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 of life that the Masters in, in, in April, it's, we've had a long winter and the snow's melting and it's for me always been the first day of spring. It's November. It's different. Uh, it's still the same tournament. It's still the same fantastic golfer, uh, golf course. Uh, no patrons, uh, uh, this year. Uh, you're feeling, how does it uh to have a Masters in November. Um, you know, normally in the spring, the azaleas are starting to bloom. This year, you probably got some fall foliage. Uh, just just the feeling of it. What, is it. what does it feel like? You've been there for so long in spring, and now we've got a fall Masters. I just, if you can put it into words. Sure. I mean, it's very, very different
6: in many ways, and, and it's kind of like the whole year has been. I mean, I'm very confused from a timing standpoint. It's uh, the Masters. and then Augusta. Leaves are turning. Uh, I'm talking to my wife uh, about Thanksgiving. Uh, the weather is getting colder up north, not warmer. Uh, the prospects of playing golf are diminishing, not growing, given uh, the changing season. Uh, there is no traffic in town. Uh, there is nobody scalping badges on the sides of the road. Uh, There's no John Daly RV vehicle outside of Hooters and Washington Road. (laughs) Uh, There are no patrons uh, on the golf course. Uh, There's no merchandise facility open where you can buy Masters uh, logo gear. Uh, There are no charges for concessions. A few concession stands that are open. You can go in and get a uh, a Coke, um, or, or get a pimento cheese sandwiches, and they're they're free. Um, you know, much smaller media contingent, obviously here in the media center in the press building. So it's a, it's different in so many ways, and the biggest difference is walking the golf course. And for example, on uh, Thursday and Friday, I was riding Tiger both days, and so I walked a bunch with Tiger, and there were maybe thirty people following Tiger. And, you know, the sounds, the way you could hear uh, the ball coming off the driver heads, uh, the way you could hear the caddies and the players talking, the players talking to each other. I mean, it was so different. It felt like a Walker Cup. I was walking around and not a a Masters uh, tournament. So uh, the differences are huge. They're enormous. I mean, there's lots of
1: familiarity
6: with the golf course, the golf club with the players, but it's a very, very, very different Masters. And, you know, it's a good one. I mean, there's nothing about those differences that are really disconcerting. Uh It's weird about no roars, and Tiger even spoke to the point where they had to ask TV cameramen on a few occasions where a shot had ended up because they would hit the greens, the ball would land there, and they would have no indication because there's no gallery there cheering. You know, a great shot or, or sort of moaning when a shot went a went awry. So, uh, everybody's noticing the differences and, um, then we've had, you know, rain delays and starting off with both number one and number ten, there've been drones flying overhead. Um, there was even a little delay this morning because of fog. So it's, it had a lot of different elements to it, lots to write about, but it's a very different
2: masters for sure. Before I turn it over to, to you, Nez, I just want to follow up with this from a, from a technical perspective, uh, how, how I, and I noticed the scores are, are, I, I don't think I've ever seen this many low scores in a masters. I mean, DJ will probably, if he has, if he has a good round today, probably break the record, the low, but th- you've got a lot of golfers like minus 12, minus 10, minus eight, uh, how is the golf course itself playing differently? I read something about that in the fall. The grass is different. Um, maybe it's softer. What's contribute is the golf course itself being in November rather than April, contributing to these lower scores.
6: I mean, I think some of it is, uh, but uh, also it did rain and it did rain quite a lot, and that's been an issue too. In um, the weather report, we got down there. I got down there a week ago Saturday, and. The weather did not look good. I mean, it really looked bad through the week, and it really rained here uh, quite a lot on Wednesday, and it rained a little bit on on both um, um, Monday and Tuesday. It rained Thursday morning. There's spells as well. well. So the rain has had a lot to do with it uh, and, and making it soft. But what I've noticed, there's a second cut, what they call here, a second cut of rough that I've never seen before. This is my 20th Masters, and I've never seen... The rough as thick as it was and you saw when Chambeau lost his ball on number three uh the other day you know it was both very soft uh very shaggy over there and you know another thing i'd have in patrons although i'm not sure there would have been patrons on that side of the of the hole but you know you, you just you didn't have patrons out there to see where the ball went but the ball obviously plugged somewhere it was very soft shaggy. So that's been a big deal. And the shots you're watching going into greens, I mean, are just almost at times plugging into the greens. There's not a lot of roll out there. I saw DJ hit the most perfect drive on 10 yesterday and it landed on the fairway. And I think it rolled about, you know, three yards. And, you know, you're so used to seeing the ball rolling here uh, for yards and yards and yards. So part of it, I think is a rain part of it is a time of year. And, um, so it is different than that. They can really go after pins, but the course is playing longer as a result in the softness of the fairways. Nas, nice.
5: John, how do you think Tiger Woods has played
6: this week? You know, I think he's done very well. Like I said, I watched him on uh, Thursday and Friday, and um, he was really, uh, you know, he seems in a great mood. He seems in a really great place. uh, a, uh said he was very emotional during the champions dinner the other night, he talked about his kids, talked about winning last uh, year uh, in front of his kids here. Um, you know, I think he, he swung the club well. He, he missed a few uh, putts here and there. The ball was not breaking a lot on Thursday and Friday, certainly not the way it usually does on these grains because of the moisture in that. He, and he brought that up. But I think he played pretty well. I mean, he's. A, I think he just went back to four under. He just bogey number five. And I think he's done, he's done good, but I think it's had to been hard on him. I mean, he's had a couple days where he's had to play multiple holes, more than 18 holes. And, you know, it's been kind of difficult on, on all the players because of the delays and, and how things have been working out. And today's going to be the first day, the only day this week where they've just played 18 holes in one day, those that are playing. And I think it's tough on a guy like Tiger who's, you know, his age with his ailments to, you know, play twenty six, twenty seven 27 holes a couple of days in a row or something like that. I think he wears him out a little bit, but, you know, for the most part, I think he's been doing pretty well, and he seems to be in great in, in great form emotionally and mentally, and he's uh, been good to talk to. He's been positively chatty after his rounds and uh, very, very focused and very serious during the rounds, so uh, it's been good. It's been a lot of fun to be around him and to see him
2: so up close and personal and, and so relaxed. We're talking to John Steinbreder John's uh, writes for Masters.com. He's been down at Augusta all week long, and he's actually uh, chatting with us from Augusta this, uh, this morning. And uh, everything's about to – I know they're all out there, but the leaders are about to tee off pretty soon. So uh, it should be a remarkable Remarkable afternoon of golf. Uh, Dustin Johnson's been shooting the lights out. I don't think he's made a mistake in three days, 16 under. Uh, you know, he's got a uh, couple of young, uh, young guys, uh, Sunjay uh, Im and Abraham Answer, who you've written about, John, that are uh, going to be playing with him in the final group. Of course, uh, we've got Justin Thomas, Patrick Reed, John Ram, Rory McElroy. A lot of guys t- chasing Dustin. Uh, Justin uh, hasn't had a great record on a Sunday in a major championship uh, when he's been in the lead. Uh, nothing suggests, given his recent performances, uh, I mean, he's got a track record this year of uh, first and seconds coming into this thing. Nothing suggests otherwise than he's going to have another fantastic day of golf. But uh, how, are you, uh, how are you analyzing uh, today and what would you foresee this afternoon?
6: I mean, he, he looks so confident. I mean, he shot seven under the first day, shot seven under yesterday. Um, he, he just seems incredibly relaxed, easygoing, very comfortable here. Um, you know, he, he was just on fire yesterday. I mean, I think he was um, – I think he shot 31 on his first nine yesterday. and He just is killing it. He's hitting the ball a long way. He's hitting it straight. Uh, seems to be chipping and putting well so I mean how do you not like him four shots uh, clear of Smith Him and answer and, um, and very confident and very comfortable so you know it, it would seem uh, likely that he's going to win this he's from Columbia, South Carolina this is kind of close to home for him which is pretty cool um you know, he had the mistakes out of Pebble when he was in the in the lead that final day there at that US Open years ago. But I, and, and of course with Kohler and, and the PGA there, but I really think his odds are so good right now and he just he looks very comfortable and and very ready to go. And it's a long it's a long way back and you've got, you know, the three guys that are closest, M Anser, and Smith that have never been in this position before. My God, you know, M is twenty two years old. Uh, answers 29 and, and, Smith's kind of a baby as well. So you, you, it's not like you've got, um, you know, Patrick Reed and Justin Thomas and, and, and people who have won majors before and know what's going on chasing it. You got, you know, three or four, you know, kids that are doing it. So I think that, you know, that makes it even more likely that DJ is going to come out on top. Yes. I'm surprised at
5: all the championships he's won. He's won 23 times. Will it be his 24th today, John?
6: i'm sorry i said that again i just uh, you broke up for one sec he's won he's won
5: 23 times on the tour will this be his 24th today
6: i really believe so i i just don't know how you pick against him i really don't um and i think it'd be an exciting win it'd be a popular win. it'd be a good win and 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 one he deserves he's just
2: such a good player uh john uh one of the big stories coming into um uh, Augusta this week uh, they thought you know they they thought DeChambeau Bryson was going to um, um, was going to do something special here that uh, apparently the uh, the scuttlebutt is he's he's about to change the face of golf with uh, you know with fitness and with nutrition and everything he's done and you know worked exceptionally hard let's give him credit for that. Uh, to revamp his game and be and, and and turn golf into more of a power game uh than perhaps a finesse game. Hadn't that exactly worked out um uh, the way some of the prognosticators had uh, had speculated. Uh you've watched Bryson, you wrote about him this week. Um what happened uh, uh with Bryson's game this week uh or is is the is the concept that uh you know he's going to forever change the game of golf. Perhaps a bit overdone.
6: Well, oh, I think it's overdone. I mean, my goodness, we've we go through this all the time with uh, uh, my brethren in this business proclaiming the, you know, the great new talent. And um, you know, and Bryson is amazing. What he did at Wingfoot is just unbelievable. I still can't believe his just distance control during that tournament and how he won that Open. But. You know, this is a hard game. It's hard to do it every week. It's, if you don't keep the ball on the fairway all the time, if he was having trouble doing here, it's, it's not easy. I don't think he was feeling great. I mean, I know he went off and had a COVID test one evening. I think it was Friday night, and it came back negative, so it wasn't that. But I think he struggled a little bit with his health. Uh, I don't think he has an excuse, but, you know, he said he felt dizzy out there a little bit at times and um, a little off. And you know, lots of preliminary pregame stuff about his game and how he was going to tear it up. Not necessarily his saying that, but others saying that. So, you know, hard to tell. I mean, he's he's amazing. He's a physical specimen. My God, the guy looks like a football linebacker every time you see him. He's a big boy, and he's a great player, and he's he seems like to me a very nice young man. And you know, he just—it wasn't his week, and that happens. This is nobody's owned This game. This is a very difficult sport to play, and he just didn't have a week that uh, he would liked to have. But uh, we'll see what happens next year, and see what happens going forward. It's not just about
2: distances. We all know, though, it it helps, but you got to oh, put the ball in the hole. You got to put the ball in the hole. Not able to do that. Uh, we're talking to John Steinberg. Just a few minutes left, uh, John. Uh, We have the Masters in November this year. I presume at some point uh, it's going to go back to its regular (laughs) slot in April. Uh, Something just popped into my mind uh, watching the Masters at Augusta in November. Has there ever been any talk ever of holding another tournament at Augusta? November seems to be a perfect time slot for it. Now, for example, let's say a Champions Tour major or even a Women's major. Have you ever, ever heard uh, any discussion about that ever? I mean, I, I, I just, the concept of having a woman's major at Augusta in November just seems like that would be such an incredible event in so many different ways. That discussion ever appear anywhere? I mean, I think they've had it. I think Mike Wan has
6: even admitted that he's the uh, commissioner of the LPGA has talked to the folks here about that several times. Over the years, I mean, there are a couple of problems. One, you know, this is a members' club, and you know, doing another tournament would take away a lot from, you know, their use of the of the to- of the course and the property in a place that's closed for half the year. And then, you know, the other problem you have is from a timing standpoint. You know, the course is just simply in its best shape of the year in the spring like that. So I think you know they. They would like to, you know, always stage that there and not so much this time of year. The weather can be a little bit dicey and it's, it can be wet. It can be a little inclement on occasion. I think that's a problem too. And, and, you know, they've also started these tournaments, the Asia Pacific Amateur with the RNA and the Asia Pacific Golf Confederation and then also the Latin American Amateur with the USGA and the RNA. And, and I think those are things they want to really kind of stick with as far as, uh, what they're doing and and um, and how they're trying to grow the game in different parts of the world. so I see them uh, continuing with those, and I see they're <laughs> keeping the masters in april and and continuing next year with drive chip, and putt, and also with uh, holding the final round of the women's uh, uh, the Augusta national women's amateur tournament. I, I don't see them doing anything beyond that, frankly.
2: Uh, we've been talking to John. John, uh, we're going to let you go. It's a working day for you. You've, uh, you're done at Augusta. Uh, we appreciate, as always, uh, continuing this tradition of chatting with you on a major championship Sunday. And we look forward to the day when we can talk to you on a Masters Sunday in April again. Uh, thanks well, so much for joining. Uh, hopefully that's next year, and it's always great being with you guys. Enjoy
6: the rest of the day and a great tournament, and uh, we'll be in touch soon.
2: Thanks so much, John. John Steinbrenner. Nas, we've got a couple of minutes left. Uh, Our minute, a uh, minute or so. Uh, Bills, we just got a chance to talk about it really quickly. Uh, bring us up to speed. They're playing the Arizona Cardinals today. Bills are looking good at seven and two, but as your son says, their defense hasn't been the best. Uh, uh, what do you What do you see in today's game, Nas?
5: Bills will come out on top again.
2: And seven twenty four. Uh sorry, what was that score, Nance? Thirty-seven twenty-four. Uh you're the eternal optimist. I hope you're right. Uh certainly uh Josh uh Josh Allen uh has looked has looked good so far. Uh he's he's brought his game has matured. Uh the pickup of the of the receiver digs, Stephon Diggs has uh certainly improved uh, the quarterback's game. The Bills look like a team. They look like they're gonna take the AFC East. Uh Patriots don't seem to be a challenger uh, this year. Looks like the Dolphins would be the only ones that would give them a shot. Naz, uh, we've got 15 seconds. Last word. Love that Bernard Langer. <laughs> he's, our, he's, our, he's our vintage, too. Listen, we haven't, said this in a while. we haven't said this in a while. COVID is increasing to all our essential workers. Thank you so much for what you do. For all the people out there, please be safe. Please practice social distancing. The next, the next little while is crucial in trying to, uh, trying to get this under control. Uh, let's all do our part. Uh, Naz, thank you. Matt,
0: say thanks to your son, Matt. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. Thank you so much. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.